Hello everyone and welcome to the Bell Collective podcast. Bell Collective is a community for professional women who want to change stereotypes surrounding female travel and creative choices, and I'm your host Alina Rudia. Today, my guest is an Icelandic travel photographer and adventurer, Ossa Steiners. In this episode, we talk about Iceland without tourists, the dangers of professional burnout, and how a little country in the middle of the ocean managed to become the most gender-equal place in the world. Hello, Ossa. How are you? Hi, Alina. I'm good, actually. How are you? I am. I'm great. Uh, I'm actually like, uh, yeah, I'm almost great because uh, last week my husband drowned my camera and lens uh, in a river. So um, probably I I'm not as good as I could have been with my camera intact. But now it's ruined. And uh, yeah, Is, was that was that your question? <laughs> actually, I'm pretty okay. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's fine. Um, how is how is life in Iceland? Uh, tell us about uh, tell me about a little bit about the situation over there. Uh, so life in Iceland is actually quite normal. Eve, like in March, they did a tiny bit of a lockdown or not even lockdown just few restrictions mm-hmm. and then quite early on um infected cases started going down and now i think we have had five cases of coronavirus in may so the situation in iceland is really good and while you're here you sort of forget this whole thing because life is just like normal people are sitting on restaurants and well not fully normal maybe like gyms haven't opened yet and are not are not allowed to be hosting parties but other than that we are free to travel around and well you are allowed to travel around but there are no tourists so that's probably a paradise right now for icelanders right yeah it's it's actually quite incredible iceland is extremely peaceful and quiet and when you're driving on the ring road there's hardly any cars the main locations like Skogafoss and Sutherlandsfoss, there's not a soul there. You are completely alone. And just that as an experience is quite special, I would say. I have to say, even in the, like, I've been to Iceland over, like, how many? I've been to Iceland five times, and each time there were more and more people, but still I've managed to find places, or not in the south, of course, but if you go, like, further north or in the highlands where you would drive for two hours and you barely meet any cars so uh probably this is not yeah this is something for the south is obviously very different and i wish i was there now just to see it but i I can imagine tourist business tourism business is is in trouble or are there enough like icelandic people actually traveling around no like the financial part is definitely struggling um and of course iceland was expecting a lot of tourists this summer so Mm -hmm. That is um, affecting jobs in Iceland and people are losing their jobs. And I mean, of course, Icelanders will travel domestically this summer, but that's never going to be the same as the amount of tourists that we are normally expecting. I actually saw the video of your prime minister talking about the situation that uh, Iceland will be opening their borders on the 15th of June for uh, international tourists as well. So that is actually, that sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hope that it will be just the right amount of tourists to not overwhelm the locals, but at the same time to support the local businesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. It's it's a bit of a risky decision to take and it's probably going to be a lot of monetizing, but hopefully it's just going to be good. 
Well, I'm I'm definitely hoping to uh, to visit again this summer. So this will be my sixth time. So I'm really looking forward to be honest because uh, yeah, I'm I've, I'm in Berlin for the past four months and uh, it was fine. I'm discovering a lot of Berlin districts, but honestly, I'm I'm getting a little bit tired of uh, sitting at home. I mean, I've haven't been um, in Berlin for such a long prolonged amount of time for a very long time. So this is really unusual for me right now. What about you? Uh, are you affected? Uh, you said that um, the life is quite normal in Iceland, but uh, how about your job? Like, uh, was it affected by the crisis at all? I mean, you traveled a lot internationally. So how is it now? Um, I would say the situation for me changed a lot. And that's true. I kind of do more international projects than I do at home in Iceland. And that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. So now when I've been home, I sort of just thought to myself, like, okay, I haven't really explored any opportunities in Iceland. And that's basically what I'm doing right now. And I feel like there are quite a lot of opportunities at home. Icelandic brands and companies, they are showing interest um, because I think I sort of have the reputation in Iceland that I'm always on the go. I never stick around. So there's no point really... <laughs> of working together but now I think <laughs> some companies are sensing like okay this could be a long-term project I I see some positive things in all of this and mainly that I might honestly just focus more on Iceland and be more connected to Iceland than I have been I really love how you say like uh, I have a reputation in Iceland it's just like Iceland is such a small country that basically like everybody knows you so it's like yeah you have a reputation in Iceland <laughs> <laughs> like, to be honest, if you take every, what do you call it, like social media influencer in Iceland, we are mm -hmm. maybe 12 or 15. Or <laughs> so it's time to move so, to Iceland and become a social media influencer. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, when companies are like, okay, so we work with this one or this one or Ausa, well, no, she's not reliable. She's going to be somewhere in Asia. You know? <laughs> Did you start doing any project right now or maybe uh, other new skills you're learning? Um, I've seen that you've started a YouTube channel right now. What is your plan with that? Because, uh, yeah, that's a totally new something for you. Uh, yeah, I like to use this spare time to sleep and rest. <laughs> which has been lacking of like the last years. I definitely want to get more into filmmaking and blogging. So I have been using the time to get to know that field a bit more. And projects that I've started working on in Iceland is actually a little bit more related to that, more speak in front of the camera. So I got hired to be like a TV host in a travel episode around Iceland. For a company here in Iceland, where I'll actually be talking Icelandic, and I will probably be doing similar things in English as well. Oh, this is really cool. This is definitely like hosting hosting something. This is, this is the way to become a YouTube star as well. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think no matter what, I want to have some sort of a travel show from Iceland, like a, like a video type of show. And I think it's mainly because I've become a little bit tired to search for the picture-perfect moments. And I mm -hmm. also think that I've heard from people that they have an image of me that, that I live this flawless life because all you see is social media. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually meet me, you realize that I'm a very like goofy person. 
I'm far from being anything perfect or girly, you know. And I think that through videos, that can more shine through and personality can more shine through. So you're not shy to be in front of the camera then? I am, though. I'm like, this was so hard for me to post. And I am shy. I'm, yeah, like I'm shy and not shy. Because also when you're filming a vlog, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm never going to release this. I'm never going to show anyone this, you know. But then mm-hmm. you just have to do it. have to put it out there. But aren't you afraid that you will be showing a little bit like too much of your private life somehow on, I mean, even more of your private life uh, on, on, on videos? It's definitely putting yourself much more out there than the normal photo feed, you know? Yeah. But, um, but then again, I think I'm also, sometimes I think I'm just quite detached, like detached to it, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is... It doesn't scare me a lot. But we'll see. <laughs> and then uh, uh, everything Icelandic. I just think that a lot of people would like to know more about uh, Icelandic surnames because you go uh, internationally on, on your um, Instagram channel. You go by Asastainers, but your true surname is Asastainers.dir. And I think yeah. a lot of people still don't understand uh that Icelandic sur- surnames are not really surnames. Maybe for our listeners, explain a little bit how, how that works in Iceland. Yeah, so we are basically named after our father's first name. So my father's name is Steinar. Mm-hmm. So I will become Steinar's daughter and my brother will become Steinar's son. So basically, if... Internet in your passports, you would not have the same surname as your brother, but basically because it's not a surname, it's just a patronym. I guess, yeah. And that means that all Icelanders, if there's like, what is the most popular name in Iceland, like male name? Like Jón or something. So the like most people would be Jonsson or Jonsdottir. Yeah. And how do you know which one is which? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can even be named. Jón and have a father called Jón and then you would become Jón Jónsson. That's a common name. <laughs> God, well, with 300,000 people, maybe it's like, oh, the Jón Jónsson uh, from that part of Reykjavik and not the Jón Jónsson from this part. I mean, that's probably okay. Uh, I, I still cannot imagine, you know, because like I live in a country where there's like 80 million people and um, I live in a part of the city in Berlin Prenzlauerberg. The whole Berlin Prenzlauerberg is as big as Reykjavik, just yeah. a part of Berlin. So of course it's like, uh, oh, maybe it's not that hard to not have a surname in that country. <laughs> Actually, like let's talk about photography a little bit and uh, your career. Uh, as I remember, I mean, uh, for those who don't uh, know, I've known Osa from quite a while already. I think uh, it's been already like eight years. That's when I met you first uh, in Reykjavik, and um, I remember you were studying IT, right? Yeah. And why this decision to go into photography? Because I remember I was, I've met you eight years ago. I remember that was my first time in Iceland, 2012. And that was just when you were going on to a world trip, but you were mm-hmm. still not a photographer. So uh, how did that go from from yeah, studying IT and into photography and this Instagram world? So I've always been really interested in photography and the creative parts of the world. Like, But somehow I ended up studying engineering and then I graduated with another degree in computer science because 
I was sort of just following something that society told me to do or like my closest circles, like my brother and dad studied engineering. So I was like, okay, I need to study engineering without listening maybe to that creative voice in myself. I mean, I'm much more creative than I'm logical. So it should be quite natural. Um, And I was always photographing as a little girl and was always showing interest in cameras. I got the camera when I was 13 years old, like one of the first digital cameras. But I was never really good. I was never digging deep into it. And then when we were going on that world trip, then I had seen an opportunity in travel blogs. Like social media wasn't that big. Mm-hmm. You were one of the first persons that told me what you were doing on Instagram. Like, <laughs> you, like, what is it that you're doing? And then you were showing me your Instagram feed. And I was like, wow, she has 60,000 followers. Like, she must be world famous is how I felt about you. <laughs> I don't remember if I had 60 by then, probably just 40, but I didn't grow that much. You grew, you have already like uh, over 200,000. That's amazing. Yeah, but I feel like I've heard that some of these early Instagrammers, that almost algorithm is just not in your favor or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. And uh, very unfortunate. Back in the day, I was on this Instagram suggested list. And that was like really great for me because over like a few nights, I grew from like 1,000 followers into 40,000. And I thought, oh my God, this is so amazing. But then it just stopped growing and uh, Instagram algorithm wasn't really picking up on my pictures anymore. So I, I, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate. And I know that a lot of people are saying, oh, you shouldn't be really paying attention to it. This is not what it's worth. It's not about likes. But of course, if your business and if your livelihood depends on people discovering your pictures, and if you're a travel photographer and you want to sell your pictures, of course, you want more people to see them. Of course, you want to have a broader audience. So I, I cannot complain still, even if my Instagram doesn't grow that fast. It still was a great opportunity and a blessing <laughs> for me. So I, I cannot complain that much, really. Yeah, so basically in that world trip, I started to take more photos. And I think <clears throat> at that time, I was focusing more on building a successful travel blog because mm-hmm. I had been reading some success stories about travel bloggers uh, traveling the world and writing about their travels. So that's what I was doing when I was in Asia. And mm-hmm. then I got back to Iceland a year later. And I think what was in my favor at that time is that that's when Iceland was being discovered and Iceland was getting the hype. So living in Iceland and photographing Iceland almost made it quite easy because the interest in Iceland was so much and mm-hmm. maybe Iceland profiles not that many. But yeah, that's true. I mean, if you think about it, it's basically the first most viral pictures I remember from like nature were from Iceland. It was always like the same picture of Skagafoss or the same pictures from like the Black Beach in Vic. And I remember everybody was post- were posting them. And uh, I remember that this was always like so many likes, so many, so many new Instagrammers would go there. So that was definitely like a topic. Like that was the country to go to just uh, maybe in 2000, what I would say like 16, 15. Talking about um, Instagram, um, I uh, have a, a question, like you said, like being Icelandic really helped. Um, 
your yourself, you're often on your own pictures on Instagram. Do you feel that this also helps the success which you have on the platform? Um, do you think that you know uh, Instagram actually shapes the way you photographs uh, you photograph? and which pictures you decide to post uh, on social media? Like, do you think about it when you post a picture? Like, what would work better? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I I feel like Instagram, it's, it is a special type of photography, and mm-hmm. special type of photos will perform better than others, which is sometimes almost a little bit sad. Do you know what I mean? Oh, because, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because... They sort like what works on Instagram is almost putting the subject in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this recipe to create a highly likable photo for Instagram, but it's maybe not a photo you would prefer to shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. But I started looking at my uh, insights and numbers, like what was working and what wasn't working. Um, and what I found out is that photos with me in the photos they performed way better, like sometimes two times or three times better than an empty landscape photo. But at the same time, I didn't want to become an Instagram feed that is only me. Mm-hmm. So I've been very strict on myself. Like I know photos of me will perform better, but I'm not going to allow myself to go into that. Like I'm still going to post landscape. I'm still going to hold on to that status of I am a photographer you know like you know otherwise it's quite risky that you only get treated as an influencer or a model do you know what I mean yeah that's definitely I mean this is why uh I've started Bell Collective and we traveled together with Bell Collective in Iceland actually like twice (laughs) with you as well and um Uh, That's, I mean, I I totally understand, especially from the business perspective, from the business perspective of Instagram, you realize that, yeah, some particular pictures are performing better, but at the same time, they restrict your, uh, your creative side. And also they're kind of supporting the stereotype of like a beautiful blonde woman and you are a beautiful blonde woman, but at the same time, you're a great photographer and it would be a shame if you didn't show that part of you, like you have to make a choice. Uh, and sometimes it's not the creative choice you're making, but the business choice you're making. And certainly there are certain images which are popular on Instagram and beautiful women in front of like beautiful landscape will always perform really good. At the same time, as an artist yourself, as a professional photographer, you don't want to be just a pretty face. You want you, you want for people to know that you are creative, that you are professional, and that you are taking great pictures. Especially as a woman, like you don't want to support this stereotype over and over again because there's so many young girls whom are you're being like an example to. So I think this is really great for them to see that you're not only taking pictures of yourself, but also taking great. Um, drone pictures, you take great uh, DCLR uh, landscapes and that you're showing your country through your own lens, not just from somebody else's lens who photographs you. Yeah, exactly. Many people also think that the life on, of an Instagram influencer and photographer is a constant holiday. And uh, I remember actually last year we had this uh, job together in Iceland and I remember talking to you about um, the burnout you've had. I think it is very important for people to understand that your work and my work uh, like as a travel photographer is sometimes really, really hard. 
So can you maybe tell us a little bit about what happened and uh, did you actually find a balance now between the rest and work? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very important to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I have experienced more than one severe burnout. <laughs> and that started from I had a full-time job. Mm -hmm. I had this passion of quitting my job and being a freelancer. So while I had the full-time job, I would use every free hour of every day of every weekend to work on my own business. And already the work I had was for a social media agency, which was already content production, pho photography, videography, and it was already long hours in my job. And then mm -hmm. all three hours I spent on my own business. And then when I finally quit my job, I took every project that got offered, well-paid, um, badly paid, without payment, you know, and I would jump between different projects, one in the Caribbean, one in Croatia, one in Iceland, back to Sweden, you know, and mm -hmm. be on a crazy tempo. So I would say my first like severe burnout only happens six months after I quit my job. But that had already been probably one and a half year leading up to it. Mm -hmm. Build this whole thing up. And that just happened that I was on a project and I started to get all these um, physical symptoms, um, blurry vision, difficulty walking, just a bunch of weird symptoms in my body, like mainly like neuro-related. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was quite scary. Yeah, and I also lost a feeling in a toe for a month. Like there was no feeling in one toe. Oh my and God, yeah. So a few weird symptoms. And then I didn't even quit the project. I kept pushing through. I shot the photos. I didn't want to go home. I went home. And when I got home, I, um, I went to a doctor. And they took me for some exams and took it very seriously because it was clearly something with the neuro neurological system. And then they put me into like MRI scans and all of this. But the final solution was basically, you are healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. All tests are normal. But what we are seeing is just a young woman who is burnt out and needs to slow down. Okay. And I think like our bodies, they realize this for us and they just say, hey, now you need to fucking chill, woman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but this is, I mean, this is really important to hear for all the people who want to go into this job or who want to go into this world of photography or they want to be social media influencers and all they see is this picture, this really nice picture, pretty, uh, like pretty cover where it's all these nice photographs and you really think that, oh, these people just have the best life. They live in a paradise. They're on a constant holiday. So, uh like this kind of stories is important to hear because this is not a constant holiday. Like I've been told so many times, like how lucky I am because I was just jumping from like Mallorca to Iran, from Iran to, to like Austria. And people are like, Oh my God, you're visiting so many places when actually I was getting anxiety and stress. Like I, I didn't get to the point of burnout. Hopefully I mean, I mean, I didn't have that severe of symptoms, but I was, so exhausted while people kept telling me how amazing my life was and um 
it is amazing, of course, to have this kind of job, but you always have to find the balance. And it's also important to also to listen to your own body to not basically collapse because it's really, really hard. Yeah. So how do you feel like, how, what do you do now? Like, uh, do you pick up certain projects? Do you take time to rest? Like, how is your routine now? Well, maybe even uh, outside yeah. of Corona. Yeah. So after this incident, I started taking rest more seriously, but it still took a while to, to slow down the tempo because when you are used to being on such a high tempo, it just takes time to slow it down. I, kept hitting walls still like I was prioritizing rest but it was still not enough and I think after this burnout I have probably had two more <laughs> okay um but now however I feel like I'm on a completely different place and what has helped is actually getting a flat in Reykjavik having a home because I used to just constantly be on the move and didn't really even have a proper home which just increases your constant movement. And now I'm prioritizing rest much more and I feel so much better. Just, yeah, learn to say no. And well, now that you're also uh, build up like a certain reputation, you have an opportunity to actually pick up like the projects, which probably like, you know, you would do less, but uh, you'll do a more, like you will earn more. So that is also probably a good thing, right? Yeah, it is It is crazy and it's scary. And um, it's important to take care of the health too. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a scary part, but also uh, we've learned something from it. Uh, kids, uh, being an Instagram influencer and photographer and a travel photographer is actually a very hard job. So you have to take it seriously. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, now um, we've finished with the... Uh, learning teaching part uh, mm -hmm. I actually want to talk about uh, a little bit about the um, gender stereotypes and uh, Iceland in this uh, understanding is a country where the um, gap between male and female wages is uh, closed basically and uh, for, uh, I, I would like to talk to you about that but before that like for those who don't know Iceland uh, is really like the number one country in the world uh, for gender equality. And uh, my favorite story about Iceland is the Icelandic women's strike of 1975. And this is how basically Icelandic women got their equality. They, uh, in 1975, in October, 90% of uh, women went on a strike where they actually didn't go to work and also didn't participate in any household or uh, child Taking, or taking care of children. So they went on strike. They didn't do any of the work. And the whole country basically stopped. And that's when basically the men and the parliament, the government, they realized that women are worth so much more. And uh, the next year, they had the law which equal like women female wages, which before was only the 60% of male wages. And it was really bad. And uh, this is why Iceland is really uh on the on the front of this gender equality um battle and i can imagine being an icelandic woman uh also you are not really met with a lot of gender stereotypes when you are inside in in iceland but mm -hmm. at the same time are there particular gender stereotypes which you uh, face when you travel 
or maybe online. Um, I would like to hear those stories. Uh, and also, of course, the example of Iceland. Is there anything you still think should be better? Like, what is your experience here? I think, like you say, Iceland has done an extremely good job. And that's sort of what I grew up with. And it doesn't matter who I'm speaking to in Iceland. If it's the director of Canon or inspired by Iceland, I feel like every time I have equal opportunities as male photographers in Iceland, for example, mm-hmm. which, is, which is very great. Um, and then I come from backgrounds like engineering and computer science where there is 70 to 80% guys, like much higher guy ratio. And us girls, we were always um, contacted by companies, like we need more female programmers, like we would like to offer you a job. Like it, it's very positive in a sense. But I think that now when I'm working with a lot of international brands, I maybe realized for the first time in my life that Or I ask myself the question like, wow, do I as a female photographer have the same opportunities with working with brands and so on? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like male yeah. photographers. And I, I think I've definitely noticed gender inequality when it comes to certain companies, which I've maybe not paid attention to, but I, I notice it now on a sort of an international scale. Mm-hmm. During my travels just typically in India and Sri Lanka, like you recognize yourself. It's just an interesting experience, you know, interesting to travel around the country where, where you're standing in line and, and males are like allowed to cut you in line and it's all fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's how it is in India. If you're standing in a line to buy a train ticket, they will just come and cut in front of you because you are less worthy maybe. Um, and coming from Iceland with a strong background, I am like standing up for myself, you know, which is not very common in these countries. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting because I was talking last time with um, with Annapurna Meller from, from England, um, another Bell Collective, and she's also in, the, in our book. And she mm-hmm. was traveling to India quite a lot. And she said that she didn't really uh, face that kind of like female, like gender discrimination in India But she also said, oh, because I am a white British woman. And that, of course, also influenced uh, a lot the attitudes of people that they would not do the same, which they would do to the local women, for example. But if you're saying that uh, you, you, you have that kind of experience, then I totally believe you. I mean, that definitely could happen to you rather than... Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a bit my experience and... and- definitely some grabbing and physical touching which I hadn't really experienced during my travels before that so uh, that was something I experienced in India but good that someone else has a different experience (laughs) yeah that's totally true I mean, it's also really great to hear that in Iceland, women have so many opportunities. I remember uh, going there uh, and interviewing uh, those female pilots from Wow Air for Bell Collective and how amazing it was that this uh, company, even though there were still not enough female pilots, still there was a great example of female doing this job, which was traditionally made by men. And, you know, you never would even think that it is a possibility if you're a young girl. You know, always when you hear a pilot, you hear, oh, 
um, a male, of course, and then suddenly you meet these women who are tr- like who, who look like women. I mean, they don't have to be manly, but they still do whatever they want. They do jobs which are are not traditionally female, but they do it great, and they are setting a great example for all the all the young generation. So this is really great that Iceland has those kind of examples, and I really hope that the rest of the world will kind of follow that example <laughs> for sure. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your travels, like um, about you traveled so much. Uh, and I know that you, of course, worked so much probably, but at the same time, you had time to enjoy your travels. So what was your most exciting trip so far? Do you remember it? Was it in Iceland or was it somewhere else in the world? Tell me. Mm, oh, it's so hard to pick. Like, I mean, many incredible experiences. I feel like at the top of my list has often been, yeah, I mean, many of the adventures in Iceland, also Mongolia and Iran are definitely some of those who are standing out. What about that uh, trip to Philippines where you got engaged? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was also an incredible trip, very different, like a little bit more prioritizing holiday, but also photographing some of the beautiful spots and no but it was really romantic (laughs) well it's also nice to actually go somewhere not for a job but probably just for a holiday right yeah it's very nice and necessary in between so can you tell me like do you like the life you're living now uh do you have like a dream lifestyle which you would really want to to be living like soon or in five years or how and how far are you from this dream lifestyle of yours I feel like I haven't really figured out what where my goals are and I think because I have been traveling so much and then you definitely get tired and it's it's tiring to be constantly on the move so I would probably want to see something more long term maybe in Iceland I met a young couple that was running a guest house in Norway, a beautifully like decorated guest house in a house that was over 100 years old in a fjord. And oh. they had a dog and a sauna and the ocean just outside. And I saw them and I was thinking like, wow, I think this is definitely something I could see myself doing, you know. Their life just seemed so chilled, you know. Like I could just as well do something business related with the tourism in Iceland if I can, maybe create some experiences like that yeah I've seen that you are offering also like guided tours in Iceland and you're planning like a sailing sailing trip yeah so yeah Leo my fiance he is a sailor and he's very good at hosting trips and creating experiences so and both of us love traveling so that's also something we could see ourselves doing create unique adventures and get people to join Um, but to be honest, right now, I don't fully know what next steps would be because I've been very focused on the social media part and photography business. But but I think I also want to shape something that is more sustainable long term. Mm-hmm. But I think this is really something which a lot of people, uh, especially bloggers and influencers, are rethinking uh, right now mm-hmm. and also like uh, shifting their focus because right now we couldn't travel So I personally also started thinking of like, what can I do long-term, which would not be so dependent on traveling and photographing all the time and being constantly on a move. 
So yeah. that is probably also, as I uh, also, I've checked your uh, website and you have all those like digital, uh, like you have your presets, you have your uh, online shop. So you also, um, you know, creating some products which uh, you, so you don't have to be constantly present to earn money. So you can just sleep and earn money. So this is also mm -hmm. probably like a business part, which a lot of people should uh, think of when they start life as a yeah travel blogger or influencer. Mm, yeah, because I think a lot of people should keep it in mind that most of that has a certain end to it. Mm -hmm. so imagine if you would have spent all that time on effort on maybe um, launching a clothing brand. You know what I mean? Like if we would work as hard on that as we work on our photography business, it would probably maybe be very successful today, you know? But I feel like for my part, I'm very interested in maybe running a uh, agency in Iceland, like marketing agency. Mm -hmm. I, really, I really enjoy helping brands with marketing, content creation, maybe getting some creative people together or something like I mentioned before, you know, run a small guest house or I like that life isn't predictable and, and you will just see how it goes. <laughs> This is, I really love what you just said, but at the same time, I was like uh, thinking about it, like in the beginning of 2020, we yeah. didn't, uh, like, we couldn't predict what would happen just in a few months. So life isn't predict uh, predictable, that is for sure. <laughs> Uh, I really love talking to you. Uh, so thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Um, I think we learned a lot of uh, things about Iceland. And also, uh, I really love to know that, uh, yeah, that Icelandic women are getting what they deserve with the whole emancipation and opportunities and uh, job wise. And I really hope that the rest of the world will follow. And um, yeah, I really hope to see you in Iceland this summer. <laughs> um. Yeah, I will definitely and uh, probably will even travel together again and hope we won't get our tire pierced in the middle of the highland somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that is almost a true story, which happened with me and also last summer. We were traveling uh, for a job in Iceland and I remember her telling me in the middle of nowhere on this moon landscape where we haven't seen a single car for like four hours and she's telling me, can you imagine if we had our tire broken right now what would happen and uh, and we didn't have any mobile uh, connection so that was really scary and we were laughing about it but then like one day later we were already in a little town on in the south of Iceland and our tire got pierced it really got really ruined and we like it was a miracle that that happened in a little town and we could go to a station where they actually ordered a, t a new tire from Reykjavik and they flew it to us on the very same day. I still cannot believe that ever happened to me. That sounds like such a fancy experience, but, uh, and we were really lucky with that one. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I remember spending half of the day sitting in the sun, just waiting for them to, yeah. to transfer that tire to us. But, uh, it was, it was, it was a little adventure. That's, that's for sure. I remember that trip very, very well. Well, Also, that was me talking a lot. And uh, um, again, thank you very much and have a good, great evening in Reykjavik. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. And it is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the end of our Bell Collective podcast. I really love talking to Osa about Iceland and gender equality and 
in the little update since we've recorded this interview last month, I'm actually traveling to Iceland at the end of July. So Osa, here I come. I'm looking forward to speaking to more inspiring women in the podcast to come. So please subscribe, tell a friend about Bell Collective and stay out of the box.